love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So tickets for the Looped live stream are now on sale, and uh, last I checked, the VIP tickets were almost sold out. It's kind of nuts, right? It is. Very limited number of uh, VIP tickets. And what that means is you get to, you know, witness the show. You also get a... You get to witness the show. <laughs> well, it witness... It like in... something terrible is going to happen. Well, the odds are that's that's true. <laughs> and we're going to need witnesses mm. uh, for the pending legal procedures. <laughs> um, no, you get to see the show. And then, of course, the uh, meet and greet, the video chat meet and greet uh, guaranteed after the show. Also, by the way, we just confirmed that uh, part of the deal for everybody, no matter what package you buy, you'll be able to uh, chat back and forth with the curator pre-show. It's going to be so much fun. And the curator, I think, is looking forward to it more than anyone else. Hopefully you will join us. We're looking forward to uh, to seeing you and hearing you and uh, perhaps talking with you. You can get your ticket by going to theboxofoddities.com. Click on live shows again. There are a few VIP tickets, which include the meet and greet, available as of the recording of this episode, which, what is today? I don't know. I don't know. Tuesday, I guess. The 2030th, the 30th, March 30th. Oh my God, we're almost into April. And that idea terrifies me because uh, the 17th of April is when the live show is, so... Oh, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Um, oh, I got a story for you. Please. I'd like to tell you about Dr. James Barry, a real pioneer in the field of medicine and surgery. Dr. Barry was well regarded in both of those vocations in the early to mid 1800s. Barry began his career by going to Edinburgh Medical School in uh, 1809. I love Edinburgh. And and this is a very prestigious medical school. Sure. Even back in those days. The your days. The days of your Barry was concerned that uh, he wouldn't be able to get in because technically he was a little bit too young. Okay. 
So what he did was lie about his age, of course. Sure. Because he was short, he he put three-inch lifts in his shoes, and uh, people still suspected that he was a child and too young to be in medical school. (laughs) But Barry was an excellent student. Is he the inspiration for Doogie Howser? It could be. It could very well be. (laughs) I don't know. At first, Barry wasn't allowed to sit for exams because they suspected that Barry was too young. This is when Lord Erskine intervened. Lord Erskine said, give the lad his shot. Mm. There's much promise and talent here. Right. I mean, if he's young and knows the material, like, what's your problem, dude? Edinburgh? (laughs) So James Barry took the exams, passed, and got a degree in medicine. Excellent. At this point, Barry enlisted in the Army. He began serving in the military in 1813 on July the 6th. Initially... He was uh, made a hospital assistant for the British Army, but soon was promoted to an assistant staff surgeon. And that's the equivalent of a, of a rank of lieutenant. So it's pretty pretty good deal. Oh, wow. He served in Cape Town, South Africa. He ended up spending 10 years there. Oh. During that time, he became good friends with the governor, Lord Charles Somerset, all the while building his reputation as a stellar doctor and an exceptionally talented surgeon. Okay. Now... His relationship with the governor seemed unnoteworthy at first, but over time, rumors began circulating Mm. about the nature of their relationship. Was it sexy? There are reports of graffiti being scrawled on the walls by anonymous accusers suggesting that the governor was, quote, buggering Dr. Barry. Um, Well, I mean, we can't rely on graffiti. No, no. But this was the scuttlebutt at the time. Okay. So... Word got to the officials and commissions were set up with the intent of investigating. Uh, Eventually, they were both exonerated. Okay. I don't know if exonerated is the right word, but that's the word that they used in this source material. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Both parties were exonerated. Now, Barry was a very skilled surgeon and his medical skills in general were unprecedented. He was actually the very first person to successfully perform a cesarean section in which both the mother and the child survived. I guess they had done it before, but, you know, hey, well, one of them's got to go. Right. Oh, that makes me think of that song, Don't Take the Girl. Remember that song? (laughs) No, I don't remember. Who who did that? We were on country music radio for like 16 years, and you don't remember Don't Take the Girl by Tim McGraw. I respect country music, and it it provided me a good living. (laughs) But you know as well as I do, I turned the volume down. But in all fairness, I did that on the top 40 stations, too. That's true. Now, Dr. Barry also was very socially conscious. He spoke out against uh, the sanitary conditions of barracks and the uh, mismanagement of prisons and asylums. He arranged for better ways to distribute clean water throughout Cape Town. He treated in his practice not only the rich, but the poor, not only the colonists, but also the slaves. He did, however have a very bad temper. And although his reputation as a doctor and a surgeon was stellar, his reputation as a person, not quite so much. Mm. Um, he once he was once witnessed yelling at Florence Nightingale in Istanbul. 
He was very upset that she wasn't protecting herself enough from the sun. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so he yelled at Florence Nightingale. Well, I mean, that was all in her best interest, so. He was known to scream at patients in the hospital who weren't following his recommendations. Oh, he was known to smash metals, medicine bottles against the wall. He even challenged a captain to a duel for disagreeing with him. He sounds like the kind of guy that if he lived now would have his own reality show. Yeah. They'd call him like Dr. Ang. Or something. Yeah. You're like, what's Dr. Angry up to today? Dr. Bottle Smasher. <laughs> um, he swore heavily. He flirted with women constantly. I see no problem with any of those things. One man challenged him to a duel for, quote, paying improper attention to his wife. Barry responded by striking the man in the face with a horsewhip. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Barry was a stellar doctor. A groundbreaking surgeon, but he wasn't very well liked by people because of his temper and his flirting and his wearing. Right. Uh, so he, he kind of kept to himself. He didn't have a lot of friends. Dr. James Berry died from dysentery oh. on July 25th, 1865. At his deathbed, several acquaintances had gathered around. Word was that he was going to share a secret when he died, Ooh. but he never did. Barry's last wishes were to be buried in his clothes when he died without his body being washed. Wishes that were not followed. When the nurse undressed the body to prepare it for burial, she discovered female anatomy and uh, telltale stretch marks from a pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. For a half century, Dr. James Barry was biologically female. So why masquerade as a man? Well, I mean, it was the early to mid 1800s. Yes, yeah. a lot of people. Did pe you want to do stuff <laughs> or say things that's, outside? That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, many people see Barry as a trans pioneer. Others claim that Barry, like you said, was forced to adopt a male persona because women weren't allowed to go to medical school. Dr. James Barry was actually born Margaret Ann Bulky. Whoa. About uh, 1789 in Cork County, Ireland. Excellent. This was, of course, a time when women were not allowed to not only become doctors, but really get an education at all. Margaret grew up frustrated by the limits that were placed on her because she was a woman. And at 18 years old, Margaret reportedly yelled at her brother, quote, Were I not a girl, I would be a soldier. As a teenager, Margaret was raped by a relative. Oh. She gave birth to a baby who she named Juliana. The baby was raised uh, by her mother. In her late teens, Margaret and her mother moved to London to stay with her uncle, whose name was James Barry. He was a member of the Royal Academy. Barry introduced his niece Margaret to many aristocrats and powerful people around London. Barry believed Margaret's intellect would carry her far. So her uncle, the real James Barry, passed away in 1806 and Margaret took on his name to enroll in medical school. Oh, wow. So after Margaret slash James Barry passed away, it was revealed that Margaret was biologically female. The secret was made public with an exchange of letters between the General Register Office and Barry's doctor, Major D.R. McKinnon. These letters were leaked. In the letters, Major McKinnon, who signed the death certificate, said it was, quote, None of my business whether Dr. James Barry was male or female, which probably was a statement that Barry would have agreed with. Buried in Kensal Green Cemetery in northwest London, Dr. James Barry, way ahead of his time as a doctor, 
and a humanitarian. Does what does the uh, the gravestone say? Is it says it- Dr. James Barry. Fuck yes. It does sound to me like it was kind of like, well, I guess I'm just going to do this because right. you won't let me do things otherwise. Whatever. You want to see a picture of Dr. James? Very much, Barry? yes. Right here is a photograph on the left. Oh, wow. So we can share that on the social meds. Got my information from Ranker and History.com. Dr. James Barry, everybody. I love it. That is very interesting. And now, that thing in the middle. Back in 2013, entomologists made an amazing discovery. They were researching the Isis insect, and they determined that it was made up of gears. Not mechanical gears, but organic gears. These gears rotate to allow the insect to hop. This has never been seen in another animal. Once again, nature is both fascinating and terrifying. You, uh, really put on that shirt this morning and decided to wear it all day? Okay. This is The Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, 
it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message came in on uh, Facebook, I think. Angela Frazier wrote, I just recently found your podcast on Spotify. Better late than never. I've been binge listening at work. I listened to the one today about Jethro finding a box of dildos. Yeah, I did with my metal detector. Mm -hmm. Um, What is it with Maine and fake dicks? My husband was up there hunting. We're from Pennsylvania, and this was before he met me. In the vast nothingness that is the Maine forests. In the middle of all of this nothing, he came across... A bag of dicks. Yes, they were fake ones, thankfully. But it was a grocery store bag full of dildos. Zero reasons for a bag of dicks in the middle of nowhere. Just no homes around, nothing, just dicks. Well, now that I've broken the ice with a dick story, thanks for all your fascinating nonsense. It's my favorite. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, listen, that is a, it's a paranormal phenomenon. We don't know really where all of these fake dicks are coming from and why they're ending up here in, uh, in Maine. We think it's some sort of a time space portal. I have to say though, there are a lot of real dicks here too. (laughs) I mean, blinkers guys. Yeah. They're built into cars for a reason. So do you have a story for me? It's only fair. I do, as a matter of fact. Good. Let me let me assume my story listening crouch. Okay. Oh, that's that's creepy. Um, this is a bummer. So just prepare yourself. And trigger warning: there there is uh, some really upsetting sexual assault and murder. So if that's not your bag, then uh, Mm. here you go. So it's the summer and fall of 2016, and a serial killer is on the streets of urban New Jersey. First of all, let's talk about Tiffany Taylor. 
Taylor met Khalil Wheeler Weaver through a friend. She was 33 and living in Roselle. Uh, Wheeler Weaver was 20. And she said that he was obsessed with her. He kept asking her friend to hook the two up. And she kept saying no because he was younger and because he was sleeping with one of her friends. And she just thought that would be weird. And she didn't want to deal with him. Okay. Good reasons. But he kept begging her to sleep with him and eventually started offering her money to sleep with him. Eventually... She said yes, although she didn't really plan to do that. She Mm. just was planning on robbing him. So Tiffany got to his place in Orange around 8 o'clock on April 10th, 2016. He paid $200 up front, and they went up to his room. She said, oops, I forgot the condoms in the car. She went back downstairs, got in the car, and left. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you about Robin West. Robin West moved out of her parents' home when she was 18. She worked at a club as an exotic dancer, and she was doing sex work as well. At the end of August 2016, Robin's friend, Bernicia Patterson, suggested that they take a trip together to New Jersey. The two stayed in a hotel, but after a couple of nights, they ran out of money, and they didn't have a place to stay that night. So they went out hoping to make a little cash so that they could then have a place to stay that night. A car pulled up. It was a silver sedan, and the driver seemed nice. Patterson described him as charming, and... Robin got in. Patterson typed the car's license plate number into her phone, saved it as a contact, and waved as they drove off. The following day, Patterson reported West missing because she hadn't come back. She gave the license plate number to the Union Township Police, and the plate belonged to a silver BMW. The 19-year-old's body was discovered a month later in an abandoned building in Orange that had been set on fire that very night. Joanne Brown. Joanne Brown worked as an exotic dancer for nearly a decade. She was also a sex worker. Friends worried about her safety, but she always made sure to contact a friend when she was with a John. So that way there Mm -hmm. was that that line of communication. On October 22nd, 2016, she was picked up by a John. And as she was getting into his car, a friend said that they had to make an urgent phone call. So she gave them her phone. As they drove... She asked to borrow the man's phone, and he obliged. So she called a friend to report an update. It was 1.30 p.m., and cell phone towers recorded the phone's location within a few meters. A few hours later, the friend who had answered the phone got another call from that strange number, but nobody said anything. So she asked, is this London, which was Joanne's street name? The person on the other line just stayed silent. They Mm. didn't say anything. Her friend called the number back three or four times, but no one answered. So she immediately reported her friend missing to Newark police. This is not sounding good. No. So now it's November 15th, 2016. And throughout this, this whole fall, Tiffany Taylor, the girl that we talked about earlier, kept receiving texts from a stranger. And in her line of work, it was not uncommon. And this man kept begging her for sex. She declined. So he offered more money. And finally, she agreed. So her plan, again, was to take his money and then just go. The stranger arrived at the hotel she was staying at at 751. It was 50 degrees, but he was wearing a black hoodie and a hat and a ski mask. Uh, No. 
The two drove away, but stopped when the guy said that he had to pee. The next thing Taylor knew, she was waking up in the backseat of her friend's vehicle, being assaulted by Wheeler Weaver. His hands were around her neck. She screamed, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. I'm pregnant. And he said, I know. She said that when she recognized who he was, she thought, well, maybe I have a little room to make this work for me. She said, I don't have my phone with me. My phone has our whole conversations from the previous incident. It has your contact information. My phone has everything in it. No one will have a problem figuring out who did this if they are able to go into my phone and check it out. And so immediately he said, yeah, we got to get that phone. He got into the driver's seat and immediately started like ranting about how nobody likes him and no one wants him. And why should I have to pay a girl to show me attention? As they're heading back to the hotel, (laughs) Taylor slipped her double jointed hand out of one of the handcuffs. And she debated if she should like handcuff over his head and just garrot him. But she was worried that they would both die if the car crashed or something. And once he pulled into the the motel, she changed her mind. He let her out of the car and she went up to the hotel door and she got in without him following her, immediately closing the door behind her. He ran to the door. He shouted, you lied. Come outside. (laughs) Like, that's going to happen. And so Taylor opened the green curtain and gave him the finger. I mean, that's what I would do. Sure. And then she called the police. I'd call the police first and then and then give him the finger with my double jointed hands. Wheeler Weaver took off. And when police arrived, this comes from NorthJersey.com, Taylor described what had happened. She said that she'd been kidnapped, that she had been raped, that this guy was trying to kill her, and that she knew who it was. She had his phone number, his Facebook account, his home address. She even told the cops his full name, Khalil Wheeler Weaver. The cops accused Taylor of prostitution and threatened her with arrest. She was four months pregnant at the time, and she still had this handcuff dangling from her wrist. And they arrested her for... for... They didn't. They said that they were going to if she if she kept up this charade, okay. this okay. story about having been kidnapped. Oh, okay. So they, they didn't believe they her. They did not believe her. Why did this guy have some sort of like prominence in the... Uh... In the community? No, no. They just didn't want to believe it? But they thought she was a sex worker. And so they just dismissed her claim as though it didn't matter. She was an uncredible source in their eyes. Even though she had a handcuff Mm. attached to her hand, she begged them to remove the cuff for her because... A man who tried to kill her, who had raped her, had put this on her, and she still felt like he was somehow in sure. control of her. You know, they, uh, for an hour, refused to do so. Oh, my God. Eventually, they left, and nothing was done. Huh. Sarah Butler. Wait, let me just yeah. pause you for a moment. Yeah. I need to say this. That's bad policing. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah. Sarah Butler. Sarah Butler created an account on a social media app called Tagged, and it's like a place to find companionship, kind of like a Tinder kind of deal. And she connected with a guy called Lil Yacht Rock. He messaged her immediately, said, do you want to make some money? And then sex for money. And she wrote back, wow, uh, how much money? She'd never 
worked as a sex worker. Mm -hmm. This wasn't something that she did. But this guy just reached out to her and was like, do you want to make some money? And she well, let's 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 take a look at the right. offer. How much? Um, so he texted her five hundred dollars, and she wrote, "You're not a serial killer, right?" Oh no. Uh, he replied, "No." So they agreed to meet, and the day came, and she didn't show up. She got nervous, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, then she started kind of second guessing herself. You know, he had seemed nice enough in the messages, except for the weird sex for money part, um, <laughs> and then she. Um, Reached back out to him, and she was like, I'm really sorry that I I stood you up. I got nervous. I don't know what to tell you. Um, do you want to try again? And so he was like, yeah, let's do that. So on November 22nd, 2016, Butler borrowed her mother's blue minivan and picked up Wheeler Weaver. Oh, man. It was 9.55 p.m. They drove to a local 7-Eleven. She stayed in the minivan. He got out, went into the store, and bought some condoms. They then drove to Rock Reservation, which is in West Orange, uh, which apparently is kind of like an overlook where you can see the Empire State Building. And it's a nice place where um, there's a wedding venue and... So that's where he attacked her, killed her, and dragged her body behind a storage trailer and partially covered her with sticks and leaves. Butler was supposed to return home with the van, and when she didn't, her sister, Basenia Daly, started texting her friends asking if anyone had seen her. In the morning, her mom called her phone, and it went straight to voicemail, and so they started to get really concerned. Three days later... Basenia Daly's friend, Basenia Daly, again, being Sarah Butler's sister, her friend spotted the blue minivan. It was parked behind a former factory about four miles from their home. Police arrived at the scene, as did Daly and a friend of the girls, Lamia Brown. So the cops were looking over the van, and while they were doing so, the girls were looking as well, and they noticed that one of Sarah's hair extensions was in the van. This was really concerning for them. Sure. And so they knew that it wasn't just that she wasn't home. It was that she was in danger. So the women decided, as the police were doing their thing, to take matters into their own hands. They drove to Butler's home and opened up her laptop. And the the friend actually knew her password. So they searched into her email and her Facebook, and then they found her tagged account. So they discovered the conversations between Sarah Brown and Lil Yacht Rock. They discovered this conversation that had gone on just before her disappearance. And so... They decided to create a fake profile and match with Wheeler Weaver. Oh, my God. A little bit of time went by. He did pop up as a match. They liked him immediately. And eventually, he messaged back. They were actually standing inside the police station on November 26th when the girls received a text on Tagged. It was from Lil Yacht Rock. No shit. They arranged a meeting with Wheeler Weaver at a Panera in Glen Ridge. And when he arrived, the police were waiting there instead. He was questioned, but since they didn't have a body and they assumed that, you know, Sarah may have just been off somewhere doing whatever, they declined to press charges. 
Police said that they really didn't have evidence that a crime had occurred. At the time, they said, there was no way of knowing he was a suspect or if she was even missing. Meanwhile, authorities are also following the trail of Butler's phone. And from its last location, Ping, they found the location of Eagle Rock Reservation. On December 1st, they found her body lying in the weeds in the parking lot. And they ended up taking Wheeler Weaver into custody. Police found so many clues on his phone. His Search history included things like how to make homemade poison to kill people. Okay. His phone location history showed movements at each crime scene, phone calls from locations that he'd picked girls up at, directions home from places where they'd found victims' bodies. Wow. Pretty open and closed case, it seems. Well... Prosecutors took three years to investigate Wheeler Weaver's crimes before bringing their case. No shit. During that time, Joanne Brown's body was found strangled at a vacant home in Orange, not far from where Wheeler Weaver lived. So a two-month trial took place in the fall of 2019, and it presented more than 40 witnesses. Of course, they brought up Wheeler Weaver's Google searches on how to make homemade poison and and a videotaped police interview where he was caught in lie after lie about Mm. his exploits, where he'd been, who he'd met, where he left the girls completely unscathed. At Wheeler Weaver's trial, police officer Billy Lye was asked whether he had believed Tiffany Taylor's story. Tiffany Taylor, the only survivor of these encounters. And he said, um, not really. At the trial, they also went over Bernicia Patterson, who had recorded Wheeler Weaver's license plate when her friend left with him. They had gone over Joanne Brown's check-in call to her friend to help connect Wheeler Weaver to the spot where she was kidnapped and the location where her body was found. They went over Basina Daly and Lamia Brown's discovery of the discarded red extension and the women catfishing Wheeler Weaver on Tagged. During that time, he believed he was hunting his next victim, but in reality, those women were hunting him. Two hours was all the jury needed on December 19th, 2019, to convict him of killing three women and attempting to murder a fourth. Yes! Wheeler Weaver faces a maximum sentence of five life terms, plus another 80 years in prison. The prosecutor's office has not disclosed yet how many years it will request. And because of COVID, the sentencing Mm. has been put off repeatedly. I got all this information from uh, blurredbylines.com. NJ.com, a couple of great articles with incredible reporting by Julia Martin and Tom Nobile on NorthJersey.com. Yeah. Whew. I thought you were going to say he got away with it. Mm-mm. Oh, I'm so glad he didn't get nope. away with it. That's, wow. Banjo. <laughs> Banjo, come here. Yeah. Come here, buddy. Time for some pug snortles. Yeah, I told here. you it was going to be rough, but rough. those women doing what they did yeah. just... Hi, buddy. Do you want to help? Do you want to help? Come on in, Haggis. Not a pug snortle, but a a Shih Tzu Pekingese mix snortle. (laughs) (laughs) 
Good job, buddy. All right, I feel better already. All right, you guys, don't forget the uh, Looped show is going to be the 17th of April, and tickets are on sale at theboxofoddities.com. We have a few uh, meet and greets left. We would love to meet and greet you. Yes, please. We're super excited about this slash nervous. Please don't let us fail. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And please don't let us fail. (laughs) I mean, fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2021 All rights reserved If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.